This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to the FCPA Compliance Report. First, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? You wanted to talk about something in the compliance or compliance-related field, but really had no idea how to get started? Take a listen from our sponsor, One Stone Creative. If you are enjoying this show, you might enjoy hosting your own. As an expert in your field, you have skills, knowledge, and insight that can help you expand your practice, meet new people, and create amazing content to share with the world. And as little as two hours a week, you can dramatically change how you promote, fill, and position your business. And One Stone Creative can show you how. Learn more at onestonecreative.net. Today I have with me Sean Friedland. Sean is with Hanzo, and we take a look at the state of compliance investigations in 2019. We consider why and how the Department of Justice has communicated the need for more effective uh, internal investigations around compliance. We take a look at the Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs document released in April of 2019 and what the Department of Justice said in terms of the ability to assess the seriousness of an allegation, scope, each report, keep investigations independent, objective, and appropriately conducted, be mindful of the time it takes, the collection, tracking, and analyzing of the information, and then most importantly, perhaps, the use of the information and how the FCPA Compliance Report is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network and now a proud part of C-Suite Radio. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. And I wanted to welcome you to episode one of our five-part exploration of leveraging AI in compliance investigations. Today, I have with me Sean Friedland, and Sean and I are going to talk about the state of compliance investigations, uh, literally uh, in almost a breaking news fashion because of the uh, now two-week-old Department of Justice Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs 2019 Guidance. So, Sean, first of all, uh, welcome, and thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you, Tom. Uh, Pleasure to be here, and I'm glad that we could connect to talk about this topic. Sean, uh, I think uh, most of my listeners uh, are certainly going to be uh, familiar with you, but for those uh, who are not, could you give us a short uh, bio of who you are, where you came from, and what you do? Yeah, definitely. So I am a compliance product marketing manager at Hanzo. Hanzo is a technology company that builds uh, tech specifically for the purposes of compliance, e-discovery, and legal teams to find, preserve, and analyze data from websites and social media channels. Um, before joining Hanzo, I worked at LRN and SAI Global, two of the big ethics and compliance training companies, and I spent the better part of five years there and really fell in love with the ethics and compliance field. And, you know, I, I helped found a Compliance Officer Day. I created the Compliance Coloring Book. I had the opportunity to interview, you know, maybe close to 30 different compliance officers from around the world to understand some of their problems. And, you know, a lot of those problems stem with really using or being enabled with powerful technology. And when I learned more about Hanzo, 
Uh, I jumped at the opportunity to join the company because I really feel like the technology they're capable of building and have built to date um, is really going to help solve a lot of those compliance challenges, which really excited me. Sean, and frankly, uh, it excited me as well. And more importantly, it's a message that compliance practitioners need to hear and they need to understand because they need to understand how the most recent technology will make them more efficient, uh, more <clears throat> accountable and more transparent. And equally importantly, it will tie directly to what the Department of Justice has now told us are their current expectations of a minimum standard of compliance programs. I, I mentioned the 2012 guidance, uh, which was released in late April. But I was wondering, uh, from your perspective, and really the non-lawyer perspective, which I think is important here, what did you see as some of the guidelines or key guidelines for the compliance practitioner around investigations from the 2012 guidance? Yeah, Tom. Uh, you know, I think when that guidance originally came out, it was a huge kind of resource for compliance teams, not just to kind of demonstrate the importance of compliance to their senior management and to their C-suite um, and help them demonstrate or understand what they need to demonstrate when it comes to building an effective compliance program. But really, I think that the, the field of compliance is constantly growing and evolving. And for them to have that guidance from you know the regulatory body that ultimately determines whether or not their programs are effective really helps them understand where they should be focusing their efforts. Um, in, in the new newly updated guidance released in April 2019, they really focus on investigations. And I think that's because investigations are such a pivotal part of a compliance program. And for a long time, you know, whether it's data from Navix Global and their annual hotline benchmark reports, or even just data that people are collecting internally, they know that despite the fact that there are hundreds, if not thousands, of potential uh, investigations being conducted every year in response to hotline and whistleblowing activity, they aren't as effective as they could be or should be. And there were a few key points in this guidance that was shared um, last month in, in April that I thought really, you know, at the very least supports the case for an investment in more technology around investigations, but also really elevates the standard for what those investigations should look like and, and what they should involve. And there were five or six key points that I want to really focus on um, that I think are, you know, relevant to our conversation, relevant to the conversations we're going to be having with my peers as we progress in this podcast series. Um, and obviously, they're not limited just to these uh, five or six points. And, and the evaluation of corporate compliance program guidance goes beyond the scope of investigations, but they're really interesting. Um, so one is having the ability to assess the seriousness of allegations, properly scope each report, and determine whether it merits further investigation and data collection. Um, I think that idea of really diving deeper into collection of data to find more answers, um, whether it's informing your interview process, validating data that you're getting from the interview, or even just looking for the smoking gun, um, you know, I think you and I both probably know from our own experiences, yours are obviously uh, deeper and more tenured than mine, that employees are, are getting to the point where they're smart enough to not incriminate, incriminate themselves in an email. Um, if they're going to conduct unethical behavior, they're going to use channels uh, that maybe people aren't looking at today. Uh, and I think some of that data is missing from investigations in the past. Uh, two is this idea of, keeping investigations uh, 
objective, appropriately conducted, and properly documented. Um, you and Mike Volkov recently hosted a webinar with the Hanzo team, and documentation and reporting around investigations is a huge kind of talking point. Um, and even the preservation of documents as part of that um, investigations process, you know, Mike mentioned the fact that if someone is under the assumption they're being investigated, they might start to delete evidence um, actively. And even that deletion of that data is almost proving their guilt or at least uh, tipping people off to the potential guilt that they may have. Um, Hanzo's technology is capable of preserving that data. and We don't need to dive into that today or, or, or right now. But I think even this idea of, you know, properly documenting and, and reporting um, as part of the investigation process and elevating the standard of that is, is really important for compliance teams to consider. Um, being mindful of the time it takes to respond to allegations and conduct an investigation and using metrics to measure performance. I think the compliance industry as a whole over the past few years has really seen an elevated standard of how they measure effectiveness and use metrics to kind of justify whether or not what they're doing is working. You know, for a lot of compliance programs, there's kind of this idea that if our program is effective, it means we're out of the headlines. But that's not really a sustainable kind of metric uh, of success. And I think that, you know, whether it's the board of directors or the C-suite, there's generally uh, an appetite for more data around the investment in compliance. Um, some of the data shared by Navex in their report, which was published a few months ago, really showed that the uh, average case closure time in, in most instances of investigations, especially in relation to harassment and Me Too, is over 40 days. And they suggest that their best kind of practice investigation will be closer to 30 days. And also, you know, they have data that suggests that the longer a case festers within an organization and, and you know, the longer that investigation takes, the more damage it could do to a culture and kind of demoralizing that that employee that's that's reporting this conduct, but also you know more widespread effects as that investigation lingers. Um, the final two points is really collecting, tracking, analyzing, and using information from the organization's reporting mechanisms, and really um, leveraging that wealth of data to identify patterns of misconduct and potential weakness in your compliance program. Now, both of those points, from my perspective, and you know, uh, I'll, I'll give you the opportunity to chime in too. Both of those points really tap into the importance of having uh, effective technology in place to help you collect and analyze that data and also use it to identify patterns. Um, I think that today, a lot of that technology may or may not exist, but I think, uh, you know, for the most part, the investigation process as it stands historically is a very human manual process. And, you know, that's part of why these case closure times are kind of beyond the best practice and why substantiation rates aren't necessarily as high as they could be um, because people aren't necessarily tapping into modern technology, machine learning, artificial intelligence to identify those patterns um, quicker and more efficiently, right? Uh, not only is the average compliance or investigations kind of lead, uh, you know, perhaps not trained or equipped to identify patterns in substantial amounts of data, it's also really hard to do that, and it's really time-consuming, which is why you know companies like Hanzo and other companies in general are building uh, new technology to really improve the way corporations can analyze data at a massive scale. Sean, the thing that struck me about the 2019 guidance was in the investigative section, it really wasn't focused on 
how do you do an investigation? It really wasn't focused on, you know, having a lawyer sit across the table from question and questioning a witness. It was exactly on the point you focused on. It was, are you using technology to preserve data? Are you using technology to help you collect data? Are you use te- using technology and leveraging technology to help you understand the data and identify patterns of misconduct? And are your protocols set up so that uh, you can make use of all of these? And that it really struck me that the Department of Justice is doing exactly what you have suggested. They want companies to become more efficient, uh, certainly from the Department of Justice. That would be the legal perspective. But on the business side of things, it's it makes your compliance program much more robust so that we, you actually have a business plus come out of a legal requirement by utilizing this technology going forward. Do you see that assessment as well? Oh, definitely. And I think that, you know, as much as the Department of Justice is stressing those facts, there's evidence in the real world that using technology, expanding the scope of the data that you collect, and really, you know, not necessarily modernizing, but rethinking some of the historically effective approaches to an investigation will actually result in more effective and successful investigations. Uh, there's a there's a case within the past month uh, of Omar Mbwila and Jenny Mbwila. And Omar Mbwila was a dock worker in Colombia who earned, I think, you know, $3,000 a month salary. And he was under investigation by uh, regulatory authorities uh, for ties to Colombian drug dealers and cartels and helping them, uh, you know, launder money. There was some bribery and corruption and fraud involved there. And they were looking for evidence to support that claim. And, you know, they looked in some unconventional places and found more or less the smoking gun. His daughter, who was 26 years old and uh, went to the University of Miami, which in itself is a very expensive college, uh, you know, considered herself a social media influencer. And on her Facebook and Instagram profiles, was posting pictures of herself um, with Lamborghinis, wearing really expensive shoes, with Gucci handbags, um, really flaunting this very extravagant lifestyle in public on her social channels. And, you know, using that as kind of a tipping point for their evidence or for their investigation, they were essentially able to prove and, and, you know, further investigate the fact that Omar was actually receiving hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars over the course of a few years from these cartels. And he was funneling it to Jenny, who was then using it to buy these really extravagant items that clearly do not support his on the record by the books salary. Um, So, you know, it was interesting that he has this known associate and his daughter who unintentionally is giving the government this evidence that Omar was, um, you know, receiving illegal funds and that she was using them to essentially create this profile that turned out to be this wealth of evidence. Um, And, you know, it's really hard if you're a compliance officer, if you're a lawyer, if you're an e-discovery professional, you know, whoever is responsible for conducting the investigation, there's so much data online, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, a blog, um, you know, it's impossible to sort through all of that every day uh, for every known associate or subject of an investigation, find it, connect the dots, draw conclusions from it, let alone preserve it so that if that person does suspect something is wrong, um, they won't delete it or try to get rid of that evidence. Hanzo's technology is specifically designed to solve those problems. So it's really exciting to me when I see something like this case with the Embuilas in real life, um, 
you know, not just validating the DOJ's heightened expectations for investigations, but also really demonstrating there is evidence on social media that will help you in an investigation. And whether that investigation is into bribery and corruption or sexual harassment and misconduct, you know, there are so many articles that are published uh, since the Me Too era really started of people being harassed online or, or demonstrated um, that someone accused of harassment is conducting and exhibiting behavior on their social media platforms that they are someone that would harass someone. Um, so it's really, you know, an exciting time to be in compliance because of these kind of heightened expectations that are really elevating the standard, not just for um, technology companies that are providing services to compliance teams, but pushing compliance teams to rethink their approaches and ultimately be more effective. Uh, it's, it's pretty fascinating stuff from my perspective. Well, Sean, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I hope you'll uh, listeners will join me tomorrow in our next episode. I'm going to have Jim Murphy, and we're going to actually detail how the Hanzo investigator works. Sean, I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you, Tom. And for anyone interested in learning more in the meantime, they can visit Hanzo.co or Hanzo.co slash compliance investigations to see how that technology works in action. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. Also, I'm extraordinarily pleased to announce the release of a ebook by Hanzo on the 2019 Guide to Internal Investigations for Compliance, an ebook on planning protocols, data collection, triage, and remediation. It really lays out all of the steps you need to take to have a best practices internal investigation program in place. It's free, and I know you will find it incredibly useful. So I'm going to link to it in the show notes and uh, check it out. Once again, it's available at no cost. I hope you'll join me again uh, next week where I will have uh, multiple FCPA compliance reports in celebration of July 4th. The FCPA compliance report is a presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network and now a proud part of C-Suite Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.